What's up, everybody? I hope you're having a great start to your Wednesday morning. This is the Around the Bases podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, a.k.a. TG, T. Greg, and Ty. Well, what a crazy week it's been yet again in the college softball world. Um, you know, we have a lot to get to. Um, so, you know, we're just going to dive right in. Um, so, let's get to it. Uh, my first topic is, what is not having cis baits for Washington? How does that affect the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational and the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic that happened this past weekend? Um, that effect, it's huge. I mean, cis baits is arguably one of the best players in the country. Um, she has a great bat. Um, she's also one of the best defensive players that we've ever seen in the game of college softball. Um, some of the plays she makes are just incredible to watch. Um, I'm sure there's a highlight reel tape somewhere that you can go find and just watch Sis Bates play defense. It's absolutely outstanding. One of the quickest releases that we've seen in the game. That's for sure. Um... And I'm not saying we should rush her back from the concussion protocol. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying that it's terrible that fans, you know, pay all this money to go see these high-profile tournaments and games, and they won't get to see Sis Bates be a star for college softball. Um, it's just, you know, you, you have to feel for the fans that are going out to watch Washington softball right now. You know, they're not getting to see one of their best players play. Um, and it's the situation is very unfortunate with her being in the concussion protocol. Um, but, you know, we, uh, you, we, know, we hope she gets better and hope she gets out of the concussion protocol as soon as possible. Um, so that way we can see Sis Bates on the field again. Um, doing her thing, being an effective leadoff hitter, as well as one of the best defensive shortstops or infielders, for that matter, in the country. Um, so we're wishing you a speedy recovery uh, from concussion protocol, Sis Bates. Um, get better, heal up, and we hope to see you back on the field here real soon. All right. So what is happening with UNC and Tennessee softball? Um... Much like their men's basketball team, UNC softball seems to be in free fall after a very promising opening weekend. And to be fair, UNC men's basketball, little side note, they did pick up the win against NC State last night, so I guess they're not 100% in free fall, but you know what I mean. You can go watch that team and see how not great of a season this has been. But anyway... Sidebar on that one. Um, but yeah, UNC softball seems to be in free fall. I noticed that Brittany Pickett hasn't been in the lineup, you know, ever since the game uh, against James Madison. So I don't know if Brittany Pickett got hurt or what happened with her. Um, I can't confirm anything, obviously, but if they lost Brittany Pickett, that's a massive loss to that program. She's one of the best pitchers in the ACC. Plus, she can hit the ball really well, too. So that's a very big loss for UNC. And it seems like 
that loss is hurting them. Um, I mean, it's just they're they're just not the same team without her on the field. Um, for whatever reason, you know, injuries, you know, they always have their effect, and you don't know how it's going to affect your team. Whether it's the next man up mentality or, you know, um, just, you know, if it, they're going to rally or if the next man up mentality works for you, that's great. Um, sometimes it just, it's not going to work. Um, that's just plain and simple how it's going to be. Um, and, you know, you can also add Tennessee softball, like I said, to this list as well. Um, now, they did get a win last night, and we'll talk about that later. But um, not having Ashley Rogers in the circle is hurting Tennessee the same way that not having Brittany Pickett in the circle or in the lineup is hurting UNC. The Tennessee, I, for, God knows why that Tennessee team is still ranked. I, I do not understand why they are still ranked. I don't care if they're an SEC team. They're not playing like the number 22 team in the country. They're playing like a team that belongs outside of the top 25 not getting votes. I mean, if I'm going to put it bluntly and honestly, that's, I mean, Tennessee is not a top 25 team. I'm sorry, poll, the whoever creates the polls, you're just wrong. I'm sorry, Tennessee's not a top 25 team. And, you know, that's up for debate, obviously, but I, they are not a top 25 team. Look at their recent games. It's, uh, no, they're not a top 25 team, and I just, I, I don't see it at all. Uh, I don't see where you're getting 22nd team in the country. There's no way. I just, I would, I'm not, I'm not going to go into a rant about that anymore. I'm just going to leave it at that, move on. Um, so, anyway, can Georgia's offense continue to carry the load with their pitching being lackluster? The answer is 100% yes. Their offense is legit, much like Virginia Tech's. Um, I would argue that Virginia Tech has the better ace, but Georgia has the better staff. That's that's the way I'm looking at Virginia Tech versus Georgia pitching. Um, but both offenses, Georgia and Virginia Tech's, absolutely legitimate. Can score runs on almost anyone. Um, and their their pitching gives up runs. Like I I mean like I said, they're I mean they give up runs. But their offense can cover that up because they can score runs. I mean. In uh, we're going to talk about this in a few minutes here, but it is about the hitting this year you know, around college softball. Um, so Georgia's offense is going to be able to carry them despite their pitching, you know, giving up runs. Um, you know, and uh, we'll talk about their giving up runs uh, a little bit later. Um, But their offense is absolutely legitimate and should be one of the top offenses in the country moving throughout the year. Um, We'll see if they can continue that offense in the SEC play. But at least from the non-conference, they will absolutely continue being an outstanding offense. Um, So... 
Look for their. I mean, look, look when you see box scores from these games. Georgia's going to have some good numbers. Um, so just watch out for that moving forward. Um, if you do look at a Georgia game, you know their offense is absolutely on point. Pitching a little bit lackluster. Um, you know, Mary Wilson Avant and uh, Lauren Mathis. You know. Um, Alley cutting, they're all they're they're trying to figure it out in order to not give up as many runs. Um, so we'll see if their pitching can put it together. Because if their pitching can put it together, um, this team becomes very dangerous. Um, not only in the SEC but in the national landscape. So keep an eye on this Georgia team. Um, excuse me here for a minute. Never mind. Thought I had to sneeze there. But anyway. Um, but yes, Georgia should be dangerous moving forward. Um, so just be aware of them. If you're watching games or, you know, keeping up with everything. <sighs> Excuse me. All right. Michigan is on a three-game losing streak after being undefeated. Um... Can they get back on track? Michigan is still a very dangerous team. Um, they just they just slumped. Once they took that first loss to Iowa State on Saturday, things just spiraled out of control from there. Um, and we'll talk more about Michigan's losses later in the recap. Um, but Michigan, they're still a really good team with um, Megan Bobian and Alex Duraco in the circle. Um, they're they're fine in the circle. Their offense still trying to you know get to the level that they should be at. But again, Michigan is still going to be a dangerous team moving forward. They're they're just good. Um, so you need to take note. Of this Michigan team, see how they respond to this three-game losing streak that they're on, um, and once they find themselves out there, because uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they're going to the Judy Garman Classic out in Fullerton, California, this weekend. Um, let me just confirm that before I just start throwing things out in the air. Uh, Yeah, Michigan's got some very tough games this weekend that we'll go over in our highlighted games for next week. Um, but Michigan's going to be out at that Judy Garman Classic out in California, so this that's a very good opportunity for them to right the ship and get back on track. <clears throat> and, you know, definitely become that dangerous team that they are, and they sh certainly should be moving forward um but yeah absolutely keep an eye on Michigan see if they continued this losing skid or you know get back on track this weekend at the Judy Garman Classic um my last little headline or topic of note here is will the year of the upset and the year of hitting continue at this point, I think you can definitively say that the trend of 
upsets and great hitting is here to stay for the year. I know we've only been through four weeks, basically a month now almost. But softball has been as unpredictable, if not more so, than the men's college basketball season has this year. And that's crazy. If you, I mean, again, I'm giving a little sidebar to men's basketball season right now as they prepare for uh, conference tournaments and in March Madness and everything. Um, but March, uh, I mean, men's college basketball this year, I mean, even women's college basketball this year has been pretty wild with the upsets and um, just, you know, results that you don't expect to see. Um, and college softball is even more unpredictable right now. If you don't bring your A game or bring your best mentality and attitude, you will go down to a team that you don't expect to lose to. Um, so you have to bring it every night, every game, every day. You, you can only go 100%. And you have to have the best focus and make sure... That your team is, you know, don't take, basically, the takeaway from this is, um, don't take any teams for granted. You can lose on any day to anyone because you're not playing the best at that, in that game. Um, I could point out at least 60 examples of that happening so far this season. Um, so, absolutely 100% the year of the upset and the hitting, I w- you would think it has to continue. Um, and right now, the polls, all the polls, the USA Softball, ESPN poll, the NFCA Softball poll, the uh, or the NFCA Coaches Poll, um, Softball America, D1 Softball. All of those polls essentially mean nothing right now. Um, the main thing we need to worry about is once the RPI comes out next in March. Um, once that comes out, that will give us a better idea of where the committee is likely to place teams, where um, upsets can look, um, if you're looking at, RPI is a big one to look at, the rankings right now are the same as in men's college basketball, do we really know top 25 at this point, I, I, we can speculate on it, I don't think we know, um, but once that RPI comes out, we'll have a lot better understanding of just how good teams are, and you know, that type of thing. But I, uh, yeah, I absolutely can expect this year of the upset and the hitting to continue. Um, it's really quite a treat to be able to watch how this season has gone about, uh, gone about. Um, and I can't wait to see how this season continues at this rate because this is absolutely fun to watch. Um, as a college softball fan, this is this is what you want to see. Offense. 
I'm, I know there are people out there that like defense, like pitching, um, and those kind of games. But I would think that, you know, college softball fans, the majority of them typically like offense, like seeing hitting, like seeing upsets. Um, I, I could be completely wrong on that. Um, but in my experience across most, if not all, sports, it's more fun if there's more offense for the most part. Sometimes defense can be more fun. Um, but in my general experience, off the more offense, the better, and the more entertaining it is. Um, and that's not to say that defensive games can't be entertaining, um, especially when they're played on a high level, like such as the um, NCAA tournament. Uh, when we get to that in May, um, like defense can be fun. It's just not as entertaining as offense, if you get what I'm saying here. Um, but uh, like I said, I can't wait to see how this season continues. Um, if we get upsets galore, continuing and hitting continues to stay the trend of the year. Maybe the pitching will catch up. Here, uh, sometimes before conference play starts here soon. Well, actually, I guess the ACC starts conference play this weekend. But um, anyway, so there's your headlines for the week, um, or at least the headlines that I thought were the most important to the week. Um, so now it's time to get into the notable stat leaders or stats so far as of Monday yeah I'm not looking it up this morning about games that happened with adding in games that happened yesterday sorry um, so as of Monday the leader in batting average in the country is Bridget Rooney of Cornell her batting average is a 667. So she's getting a hit in two of her three at-bats. That's insane. But anyway, second in the nation in batting average is Kate Gordon of JMU. She has a 630 batting average. So kudos to you two for being in the top two. Um, shout out to my girl Kate Gordon. Um Love seeing you have a big year and continuing that moving forward. <clears throat> so five pitchers in the country have a zero ERA, exactly zero. Haven't given up an earned run yet this year. Including Allie Kilpinen and Shelby Wickersham of LSU. Or excuse me, Kilponen, excuse me. Allie Kilponen also leads the nation with one and a half hits allowed per seven innings, which is crazy to think that you're only giving up in a hit and a half in a seven-inning game. That's just, that's mind-boggling to me. It's crazy. <clears throat> so LSU is getting it done in the pitcher's mound, but they also have a very, they have a legit offense as well. So um, that's just where that is. Um, so next, let's see. All right. The leader in strikeouts per seven innings 
is Courtney Coppersmith of UMBC. She has 16.1 strikeouts per seven innings. And if you think about that, seven inning game, that would be um, 21 outs. So she's striking out 16 of the 21 outs per seven innings. That is an insane stat. And then in third in the country, Alex Storacco of Michigan, she's third in the country in strikeouts per seven innings with 13.1. <clears throat> so, Alex Storacco and Courtney Coppersmith, congrats to you for being in the top three in that category. All right. Megan Faramo. No. Excuse me. Megan Faramo of UCLA and Sydney Sandez of Utah are tied with nine victories or wins in the circle to lead the nation. So congrats to you two for leading the nation in that. We talked about social media sensation Haley Cruz last week. This week she's second uh, or of uh, Haley Cruz of Oregon, of course, is second in runs per game with 1.79. Kate Gordon, again of JMU, is third in the nation in runs per game at 1.67. <clears throat> so congrats to you two for um, getting, basically scoring almost twice a game, basically, which is really incredible when you think about it. Because you, you'll be lucky to get three or four at-bats in a game, and you're scoring tw almost twice a game? That's insanely good. But anyway, <clears throat> slugging percentage. Leading the nation in slugging percentage is Bailey Vanny of Charlotte. Her slugging percentage is a 1.240. She also leads the nation with 9 home runs and 62 total bases. So, Bailey Vanny is having a heck of a season down there in Charlotte. So, congrats to her. Also at fourth in the nation in slugging percentage is, again, Kate Gordon of JMU. She has a 1.185 slugging percentage. So, congrats to both of you for being in the top five for slugging. <clears throat> Leading the nation in an on-base percentage <clears throat> is Madison Hamilton of Princeton. She has a 778 on base percentage. She's almost getting on base 80% of the time. That's These stats are just mind-blowing. If you're if you're listening to these stats, if your mind isn't being blown by some of these stats, then I I don't know what to do for you. This, I mean, this is absolutely outstanding stats. Um Leading leading the country with 10 doubles on this season is Aaliyah Jordan of UCLA. Tied for the lead in the nation with 26 RBIs, Andrea Leon. Leon. All right, we're going to go with Andrea Leon of Gardner-Webb and Alex Martins of Kentucky. They both have 26 RBIs to lead the nation. <clears throat> Um, 
not a stat that you necessarily see a lot in the college softball game. You would see it more in the baseball world. Um, Sidney Sickles of Illinois and Shannon Sale of Oklahoma are tied with four saves to lead the nation. So, four saves right now leads the nation through four weeks. So, it's not a stat you necessarily see much in the college softball game because, you know, there's more complete games, more, you know, pitchers riding it out till the end type of thing. You don't see many saves a lot. Um, I mean, that's just the way it's designed. Um, so, it's not, you can save in softball, but, you know, sometimes you just want to let the pitcher ride it out the entire way. And I get that. It, it, may, it makes sense. Um, it just depends on the game, what's going on, the situation, stuff like that. That's understandable. <clears throat> Leading the nation in strikeout to walks ratio is Autumn Storms of Arkansas. She has 40 strikeouts to only one walk. So she has a 40 strikeout to walk ratio, which is, again, absolutely insane. Last individual stat I have for you is leading the nation in strikeouts is Keely Rochard of Virginia Tech with 99 strikeouts. So congrats to all of you individual stats uh, leaders and top five uh, stats people. Um, keep up the great work, all of you moving forward. Um, very impressed with these individual stats thus far. So keep up the good work, and we'll see if these uh, stat leaders change again come next Monday. <clears throat> Team stats. <clears throat> Fifth in the nation in batting average is Washington with a 362. Second in the nation in batting average is UCLA with a 401 average. And leading the nation in batting average as of Monday, remember, is Texas with a 422 batting average. And I'm sure that batting average took a hit after yesterday, but we'll talk about that again later when we recap the week. Fourth in the nation in ERA is UCLA with a 1.19. Second in the nation in ERA is LSU with a .76. And I mentioned LSU's getting it done in the circle as well, so there you go. Leading the nation in ERA with a .74 is the McNeese State team. Look at that. A Southland team is getting leading the nation in ERA. Who could have expected that? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> there are only two teams left in the country with perfect fielding percentage. Stony Brook and Western Carolina. Only two teams with perfect fielding percentage. New Mexico, um, nope. Fourth in the nation in home runs per game at 1.56, JMU. Leading the nation in home runs per game with two and a half home runs per game is New Mexico State. 
fourth in the nation in runs per game with 8.67 is UCLA. Third in the nation in runs per game with 9.13 is Texas. Again, that number will take a hit probably as well. And leading the nation in runs per game with 9.36, Southern Miss. Slugging percentage. Fourth in the nation in slugging percentage with a .632, Georgia. I mentioned their offense is legit. Their slugging percentage is really good. Tied for second in the nation in slugging percentage with a .657, you have Texas and UCLA. Again, we'll get to that later too because that's good. that'll set up something fun coming up. And leading the nation in slugging percentage with a .714, New Mexico State. And the only unbeaten teams left in the country are UCLA, Oregon, and Stony Brook. Those are the three unbeatens. And there are still a couple few teams out there that haven't played a game yet, so we'll see if they can get their name onto the unbeatens list. Fifth in the nation in strikeouts... Uh, strikeouts to walk ratio with a 6.17 is Louisiana. Second in the nation in strikeout to walk ratio with a 7.44 is Arkansas. And easily leading the country in strikeout to walk ratio with a 12.6 is UCLA. Fourth in the nation in walks with 73 is Georgia. Second in the nation in walks with 74 is Florida. And leading the country in walks with 76 is Arizona State. Lastly, the last team stat I have for you is on-base percentage. The fourth best on-base percentage in the country is Arkansas with a .461. Third best on-base percentage is UCLA with a .477. And leading the country in on-base percentage as of Monday, remind you, which I'm sure this number changed again for them, is Texas with a 500 on-base percentage. They get on, As of Monday, they got on-base half of their at-bats. Or half of their plate appearances. There we go. Let's put it that way. That's absolutely insane. And I know that number took a hit, obviously, um, l- last night. But again, we'll now that I've gotten through the stats, we'll go through the recap and we'll be able to tell you why some of these stats might be different and whatnot. So, recapping the third week of the college softball season, we'll start on Wednesday last week. Um, at the time, JMU picked up a big win at UNC, uh, 6-3. Um, five players had two or more hits for JMU in that game. And also, UNC didn't throw Brittany Pickett, and I think that's where it started. Um, <clears throat> I think that's where it started. Brittany Pickett wasn't playing, and she what hasn't been in the lineup since. So... At the time, it was a big win for JMU over UNC, who had um, beaten in Alabama and hung in there very well with a Florida State team. Um, 
like I said, this UNC team, softball team, is in free fall, basically, at this point. Um, but it, at the t- on last Wednesday, it was a good victory for them, for JMU. <clears throat> but anyway, Shannon Rhodes reached on an error, which allowed Texas to get a walk-off 3-2 win over North Texas. North Texas might be better than I originally thought. Because they did, remember, they went to Louisiana and beat them. They nearly went to Texas and beat them. So, North Texas has to be a better team than I originally anticipated. Because um, they're, they're playing some really good ball, if you didn't notice. So, keep, a, keep an eye out on that North Texas team um, come the Conference USA schedule. I can see now why they picked North Texas. Um, I believe that, excuse me, let me, um, let me just make sure I'm saying, yeah. Now I can see why they picked North Texas to win the Conference USA. They're, they, they're a really good team, it seems like. <clears throat> and last thing from Wednesday, Natalie Lugo threw a no-hitter in an 8 to nothing run-roll victory for Florida over Jacksonville. <clears throat> Moving <clears throat> moving on to Thursday, <clears throat> Grace Fagan, Emily Williams, and Mississippi State outduel Mariah Mazone and Oregon State <clears throat> with a home run from, and I'm sorry if I butcher this name, Chloe Malualu to win one to nothing. So Mississippi State picked up a very good win over Oregon State, one nothing. Arizona State and Madison Preston crushed Auburn, thirteen to nothing in five innings. <clears throat> Boston University gives Arkansas a really good fight. They even had the lead; they had a one to nothing lead in the sixth, but then they allowed four runs in that bottom of the sixth and went down four to one to Arkansas. Haley Cruz's 3-4 day and Jordan Dahl's good pitching leads Oregon to a 7-2 win over Mississippi State. Texas A&M pulls off a massive upset over Arizona in a confusing yet awesome game, scoring 5 in the 6th inning to win 7-6 over Arizona. That was a very head-scratching game, head-scratching result, but you know... Texas A&M pulled off a big win over Arizona. Don't know how, but it happened. <clears throat> Mariah Lopez's three-hit shutout and home run queen Jesse Harper's home run leads Arizona over Missouri one to nothing. Maggie Belint outduels Alexis Holloway and Peyton Tidd to lead San Diego State over Notre Dame. Three to two, and Notre Dame committed five errors in that game, so that's probably also why Notre Dame lost. But <clears throat> that's just you know sometimes you're just not having a good day in the field. That's part of the game. You gotta have next next game mentality, next next play mentality. The USA <coughs> Team USA scores in every inning of a nine-to-one win over New Mexico in five innings um, on the stand beside her tour, which stopped in uh, 
stopped at the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic this past weekend. <clears throat> and lastly for Thursday, Peyton Tidd's home run and four RBIs combined with Abby Sweet's double home run and three RBIs led Notre Dame to an 11-1 win over BYU. So there's Thursday. Friday, Liberty pushed Michigan to the final out but fell 1-0. Texas State upsets Minnesota 3-2, but then uh, Amber Pfizer rebounds to throw a no-hitter in an 11-0 five-inning win over Tulsa. So congrats to Amber Pfizer for that no-hitter, but Texas State Texas State did pull the upset over Minnesota 3-2. Ole Miss stuns Oklahoma State 8-5. Then Oklahoma State manages to take down Louisiana thanks to Allison Febri 1-0. Again, amazing. The upset's absolutely amazing. I've mentioned it before. I'll mention it again. Absolutely incredible. Emily Gooden throws a no-hitter for Indiana in a 13-0 five-inning win over Bucknell. Auburn takes down Northwestern 6-4, really good win, then loses to Cal 8-1, so very confusing Friday for Auburn. Grace Ballman walks off for Kentucky in the eighth inning to beat Georgia Tech 10-9 which is a game Kentucky really shouldn't have let be close, but, you know, however you take the wins, you get them. So there, Grace Ballman walks off for Kentucky uh, to beat Georgia Tech on Friday. <clears throat> uh, Hattie Moore walks off for Missouri in the ninth inning to beat Oregon State 5-4. Uh, Central Florida stunned Tennessee 10-1. And that was one of the losses. I was like, whoa, is Tennessee that bad or is Central Florida really that good? I mean, I was, I mean, we'll talk more about it in a few minutes, but very shocking result. Syracuse hangs with Texas Tech but loses 4 to 3 in the end. Chardonnay Harris throws a no hitter for Louisville in a 9 to nothing five inning win over Penn State. Kendall Lindemann is the hero for Florida as they took down Arizona 3-2. Very big win for Florida. So Arizona, they took a couple losses there to Texas A&M and Florida. <clears throat> South Carolina walks off against Boston College in the 8th inning 3-2. Notre Dame takes down Seattle 6-4. Grace Lyons saves Oklahoma from extra innings against Texas A&M with a walk-off to win 2-1. to one. So Texas a and is starting to look better here recently. They might not have all the wins that they want, but they're starting to look like a better team now. UC Davis crushed Missouri 11-3. <clears throat> and again, I'm sorry if I butcher this name again. Shy Smith... Throws a no-hitter for Seattle, which included 15 strikeouts in a 3-0 win over UC Davis. Again, I'm gonna be, uh, again, I'm sorry if I butcher this next name. 
Hope Troutween. Troutween. I'm uh, hoping that's her last name. Troutween uh, struck out 21 batters in a three to nothing win for North Texas over Texas A&M Corpus Christi in eight innings. I mean, that's 21 strikeouts in 24 outs. That's incredible. Florida picks up another big win with uh, walking off on Northwestern 3-2 thanks to Hannah Adams. Baylor beats Illinois 5-1 thanks to five runs in the bottom of the sixth. And then Gia Rodoni throws a no-hitter in a 1-0 win over Tulsa. Georgia beats JMU in an offensive slugfest 19-11 in five innings. That was one of the wildest games you'll ever see. JMU was up 6 to nothing immediately. Georgia chipped away, made it 6 to 3, and then it was 6 to 5. And then Georgia scored, I believe it was 10 runs in the bottom of the 5th to get the run roll and I was just like, "What? What just I was like, "What just happened?" But yeah, you know. Anyway, absolutely crazy stuff there. Um, Shelby Wickersham threw a no-hitter in a 12-0 five-inning win over Sam Houston State. And <clears throat> lastly for Friday night, Wisconsin held Washington close but fell 5-3 thanks to a Kelly Lynch walk-off home run. So the top-ranked freshman in the nation is out here doing it again, hitting a walk-off home run for Washington to save them from a loss against Wisconsin out at the Marionetter Collegiate Classic. <clears throat> now we move to Saturday. Central Florida does it again to Tennessee and beats them 9-1 to in five innings. And then South Florida walks off on Tennessee 2-1 to in the bottom of the seventh. So Tennessee takes another two losses. Um, uh, you just got to be, like I said, mentioned earlier with Tennessee, they're in free fall right now. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with them. And speaking of that topic earlier, um, Purdue takes down UNC one to nothing, and then UNC lost to Fairfield of all teams eleven to two. So, like I said, UNC and Tennessee softball are in free fall right now. Um. It's I, I've it's amazing to watch, honestly. Auburn hangs tough or hung tough with Arizona but falls two to nothing. JMU hung tough but couldn't put enough hits and runs together, and Georgia uses a six run sixth inning to win the game thirteen to five in six innings. So another big win for Georgia. Georgia's all like I said, Georgia's offense, man. 100% legit. But you'll also notice that they gave up five, at least five runs in both games to JMU on Friday and Saturday. So, look, I'm just saying, once they play, when they play good teams, they're going to give up runs, but they're also going to score runs. So, Georgia's going to be a very exciting team to watch moving forward, like I said, and they can be very dangerous moving forward. We'll just have to wait and see how it all plays out. Brooke Yanez's 11 strikeouts lead Oregon to a 14-0 record and a 6-3 win over Northwestern. 
This one was a little bit of a head-scratcher, but Oakland took down Clemson 4-2. to two. Um, I don't know what happened there. I didn't look at the stats. I just saw it. I came across my screen on Saturday, and I was like, um, okay, that's interesting. Still on Saturday, Iowa State hands Michigan its first loss of the season, 5-1. to one. So that's when Michigan started their three-game losing streak by losing to Iowa State. Georgia Tech stunned Kentucky 7-1 to one the day after Kentucky walked off on them. So Seattle plays Oklahoma close but falls 2-1. to one. Ole Miss blows a 3-1 to one lead against Louisiana and loses 5-3. to three. That could have been a huge win for Ole Miss, but they couldn't finish the deal. Georgia then plays a close... uh, Georgia, after their games of that tournament, played a close game with Central Michigan, but eventually won 7-4. Carson Oaks shuts out... Oh, that's not how you spell Oaks. Anyway, Carson Oaks shuts out... Shut out... Shuts out... Michigan three to nothing to give South Carolina the win and Michigan's second loss in a row. Excuse me. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Missouri rebounds to take down Cal in an offensive game, eleven to seven. Montana shuts down Arkansas and beats them 5 to nothing. That was a very interesting result. I didn't expect to see Montana beating a top 25 Arkansas team, so that's interesting. Bailey Klingler is the star as she hits a two two-run home runs to lead Washington over Oklahoma 12 to 2. Washington destroyed Oklahoma 12 to 2. Unbelievable. The year of unpredictability in college softball just continued. Kerry Eberly threw a no-hitter in a 3-0 win for Oklahoma State over UAB. Kaylee Hewitt throws a no-hitter in 16-0 five-inning win for Virginia Tech over North Carolina A&T. Penn State blows a 5-0 lead, then loses at Alabama 14-6 in six innings. Again, that Penn State-Alabama game was just like the JMU-Georgia game from the day before, so whatever. Houston takes down Texas Tech 2-1. BYU takes down Mississippi State 6-2. What arguably might be the most incredible thing I've seen this past weekend, Mary Beth Gorsuch throws 21 first pitch strikes, 16 strikeouts, and throws a perfect game for LSU in a 4-0 win over Belmont. Let's just take... She did not... She threw a first pitch strike to every batter she faced. She struck out 16 of 21 batters, and threw a perfect game for LSU. That might have been one of the most incredible pitching performances I've ever seen. And I had the very good opportunity to be able to watch that game on SEC Network Plus. That was incredible. If you don't, if you didn't watch it, go look it up somewhere. I'm sure it's somewhere because that was absolutely amazing. 
so please go look up that video of that game because that was an absolutely amazing performance. Baylor walks off on Amber Pfizer in Minnesota in the bottom of the eighth, two to one. Florida took down Arizona State four to one before a massive matchup with UCLA. And speaking of UCLA, Genevieve Perez hits a two-run walk-off home run for UCLA in the bottom of the eighth for a three-to-one win over Wisconsin to stay undefeated. Texas walks off in the bottom of the seventh thanks to Lauren Burke for a 12-to-11 win over Lipscomb. Washington is saved by an eight-run bottom of the sixth to beat Nebraska 10-to-2. In an absolute marathon of a game, Ole Miss takes down UAB 14-11 in 13 innings. You should have been keeping up with the stats for that game. That Oh man, that was wild. They were matching each other run for run in extra innings or zero for zero. It was incredible. I was like, is this game ever going to end? You didn't know at the time how that game was going to play out. It was absolutely incredible to watch. Well, okay, incredible to keep up with. I mean, that was, I was on the edge of my seat with this game because I had no idea how it was going to end, how it was going to go. So that was absolutely fantastic to watch. Notre Dame takes down Arizona State 7-3, so that was a very good win for Notre Dame. Duke handed Texas its first loss of the season, one to nothing. Peyton St. George outdueled Miranda Ellish, despite three errors from the Duke defense. So, Duke was able to overcome three errors to take down Texas and hand them their first loss of the year. Absolutely incredible stuff right there. And then, UCLA walks off on a wild pitch by Florida pitcher Riley Trilicek in 5-4 in the bottom of the 8th inning. I mean, UCLA stays undefeated again, winning with that walk-off wild pitch. Absolutely incredible scenes at the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic. It was amazing. And we'll talk a little bit, just a little bit more about that at the end of this. Cal State Fullerton scores four runs in the bottom of the sixth to beat Notre Dame 5-4. So Cal State Fullerton picked up a very nice win. And then the last action on Saturday, Kat Osterman throws a no-hitter for Team USA in a 9-0 5-inning win over Utah. So the stand-beside-her tour on Saturday, Kat Osterman threw a no-hitter. Beautiful stuff. Um, so, um, what was I going to say? Uh, I didn't mention it, but on Friday, Team USA destroyed, uh, New Mexico. So, there's that. Um, moving to Sunday, Minnesota survives against Tulsa thanks to a three-run home run from McKenna Partain to win 3-1. to one. Amber Bishop hits a walk-off home run for Liberty to hand Michigan their third straight loss, 6-5. So imagine if Liberty had beaten Michigan on, uh, was it Friday? 
Yeah. If Liberty had beaten Michigan on Friday, they might have four straight losses in a row. They could have been 0-4 down in South Carolina. Unbelievable stuff right there. Syracuse walks off on Texas Tech 3-2 in the bottom of the eighth. Nebraska pushes Florida but falls 6-3. UCLA rolls Auburn 11-1 to stay undefeated on the season. Baylor takes down Illinois 5-4 with a home run by Aaliyah Pritchett in the bottom of the sixth. Seattle takes down Missouri 3-1. South Florida holds off Tennessee to beat them 3-2, handing Tennessee their fourth loss of the weekend. Again, I mentioned it already. Tennessee free fall right now. It's not a good look for them, even though they're still ranked in the top 25. Whatever. Again, not going to go into that. That's a rant for another time, another day, not on this podcast. Um, Wisconsin holds on to upset Oklahoma 4-3. to Big win from Wisconsin in the Big Ten to beat Oklahoma, one of the Big 12's best. Um, Louisiana rolls through Ole Miss 8-1. to Kelly Lynch, the top-ranked freshman heading into this season, does it again and hits a walk-off home run against Northwestern in the bottom of the 7th to win 3-2. Kelly Lynch is certainly playing much better than a freshman at one of the best schools in the country for softball right now. So, she's had a massive impact for that Washington team and very much looking forward to seeing how she continues her freshman season over at Washington for sure. 100% can't wait to see what she can do to build upon that season. UAB blows a 4-3 lead to Louisiana and falls 7-4. Again, UNC free in free fall takes another loss to UNC Greensboro 8-5. Stanford takes a loss to 3-10 Nevada, 8-3. But they did go 2-1 against in the over the weekend against Nevada. So they took the series from Nevada. Um, <clears throat> lastly on Sunday... Well, no, not lastly. Um, Cal State Fullerton managed to take down Arizona State 4-3. Um, the last thing I have from Sunday would be Team USA fell behind UCLA early 3-1 to and then eventually went on to win 9-3 to over UCLA in the stand-beside-her tour. That would be UCLA's first loss of the season, but it doesn't count to their record, so... <clears throat> UCLA was certainly pushing Team USA early in that game, and it was incredible. On Monday, in the only action of the day, San Diego puts a scare into Utah, taking them into extras, but falling 6-4 to four in nine innings in the first game of a doubleheader. How would Utah respond to that? U- U- Utah responded by crushing San Diego 8 to nothing in five innings. So... 
there you go. <laughs> Utah managed to sweep the doubleheader against San Diego. And Utah could be legit out in the Pac-12. Utah's better than... <clears throat> Utah is certainly better than people are wanting to give them credit for. Um, the start that they've had to the season has gone under the radar by, I think, the majority of the country in, you know, the Pac- in the Pac-12, you got Arizona, Washington, UCLA. You got the big three. But Utah... Utah could do a little damage if they can, um, you know, keep up the way they've been playing here early to start the season. Utah could very easily put a scare into any one of the big three of the Pac-12 right now. Um, You heard it here first. You didn't hear it from anyone else, I can tell you that. You heard it right here on the Around the Bases podcast. Right here. Tyler Gregory. That's me. You heard it from me. Um, so that was the only thing that happened on Monday in the college softball game. <clears throat> so moving on to yesterday, or last night, however you want to look at it. In the absolutely massive top 10 showdown in the Lone Star State <clears throat> between number, well, I'm not going to use rankings, um, between Louisiana and Texas, Megan Kleist, Bailey Curry, and Louisiana hold on to take down Miranda Ellish and Texas 3-2. And then Texas responded by rebounding to take the game two of the doubleheader 2-1. And Bailey Curry hit the game-winning home run in the first game. She also had the only hit uh, run against Texas in the second game because she hit another home run. Um... But Texas's Shaylin O'Leary, um, she shut down Texas. I mean, I don't know. she shut down Louisiana in the second game. Um, Summer Ellison did her best to keep Texas um, close, and it just wasn't enough for Louisiana to be able to sleep, sweep that doubleheader against Texas. It just just wasn't enough. Just missed it by a little bit. Um, so. Um. Yeah, so Louisiana and Texas split their doubleheader. <clears throat> which sets up a very fun matchup tomorrow, which I will talk about in a minute. Chelsea Segern saves Tennessee from a very embarrassing loss to Ten- UT Martin, or Tennessee Martin, by walking off in the bottom of the 7th, 3-2. to two. I thought Tennessee, when I was looking at the stats for that, or watching the stats for that game, I thought Tennessee was going to go to extras with Tennessee Martin. I was like, what is going on here? Is Tennessee really that heavy into free fall? I know Callie Turner is trying everything she can in the circle to save this season for Tennessee. But my word, this offense needs, she needs some help from her offense. Her offense is not getting the job done at all. And Tennessee, they are still in free fall despite winning this game 3-2 last night. But it's not a good look for the Tennessee softball community and the Tennessee softball team that they're taking four losses in a weekend and then almost losing to UT Martin of all teams on Tuesday night 
I mean, it's... And the game was moved up from Wednesday. Because they were expecting rain in the area on Wednesday. So they moved it up to Tuesday night. Um, so I might not... So we, this wouldn't even have been in this conversation if they had played the normal t- day. Um, so... Tennessee saved themselves from another loss, which would have been their fifth straight. Um, so, I, I don't know what's going on. Tennessee is, Tennessee, like I said, Tennessee and UNC are just in absolute free fall. <clears throat> Ole Miss was down to North Alabama 2 to nothing. Then they tied it up. And they needed all four of the runs they got in the bottom of the six to avoid a terrible loss by winning six to two. So Ole Miss didn't drop a game to North Alabama, which if I, if Ole Miss had lost that game last night, we would be having a very different conversation right now. But Ole Miss saved the game, possibly saved their season with a win over North Alabama six to two. So they 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 saved themselves very much so. Um, and lastly, Baylor holds on to survive against Louisiana Tech 2-1. to one. So, Baylor picked up a very nice... I mean, well, if Baylor had lost that game, it would have been a huge loss um, for their RPI moving forward and all of that. But, there you have it. There's the recap of the third week of the season. Now, let's highlight some games for week four. And I'm not going to get to watch all of these games like I have the past few weeks. And I'll discuss that, or why that is, after I finish this highlights, or these highlight games. So, just bear with me. Highlight games for week four. We're going to start on uh, today, actually, or tonight, rather. Georgia at Clemson. That is a huge game for Clemson in their first season and for Georgia to show that they are a true power in the country. So that's a big game. Also tonight, Central Florida, after their huge weekend knocking off Tennessee twice, gets to travel to Florida State and Tallahassee and see if they can knock them off. Certainly games to keep up with tonight, that's for sure. Um, so now we'll move to some games from the Judy Garman Classic on Thursday and moving forward into the weekend. Um, LSU against Texas Tech. I'm interested to see if Texas Tech can hand LSU a loss. I'm not sure if they're capable. They're, let me rephrase. They are capable of it, but I'm not sure they will be able to do it. Baylor at Arkansas is a low-key, really good game that you should have your eyes on. Um, making sure what's going on there. <clears throat> BYU-Illinois is another low-key game that I think could be a very good one. One of the highlight matchups of the next week, Texas at UCLA. So Texas, literally 48 hours after defeating, well, splitting the doubleheader with Louisiana, gets to go to UCLA for a game before the Judy Garman Classic this weekend. That is a massive matchup tomorrow night between Texas and UCLA, and I can't wait to keep up with it. Probably going to be stats, but we'll see how it goes. Florida State against Baylor twice this weekend. Should be a good matchup. Um, 
Cal versus LSU should be a good matchup this weekend. Well, maybe. Um, LSU, in theory, should beat Cal pretty handily, but, you know, Cal may be able to give them some problems. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll see. Um, Oregon versus Drake. That should be fun. Or seeing an undefeated Oregon team and uh, mid-major power in Drake. See what see what happens when those two get together. LSU Washington is a huge matchup this week. Um, that's one you got to keep your eyes on for sure. Oregon at Tulsa, eh, probably not a highlight game, but it's something I would like to keep up with because I think Tulsa, you know could definitely put a scare into Oregon if they're playing right, so we'll see. Another big one, Northwestern at Oklahoma. That's a huge game as well. Louisville at Oklahoma State twice. I want to see if Louisville can give Oklahoma State a run for their money. A three, a massive three-game set in Florida. A three-game series, excuse me, not set. Louisiana travels to uh, Gainesville to take on Florida for a three-game series this weekend, and that is exciting. I cannot wait for that. <clears throat> I mentioned the ACC starts their conference play a little bit here this weekend. Um, UVA will be at Clemson for a three-game series, um, so Clemson's going to get their first ACC series at home here underway this weekend. We'll see if they can handle UVA and what they can do in that game. Another massive matchup is Texas at, against Washington. So that's a, another huge matchup for Texas alone. Um, Arizona travels to Alabama to take on Alabama twice this weekend. So that should be another fantastic matchup. Minnesota at Auburn twice this weekend. I want to see if Auburn can upset Minnesota. I'm not sure if they can, but I want to see if they could. Colorado State-Illinois is another under-the-radar game you should definitely keep your eyes on. Seattle and Oregon State, is they'll play two games this weekend. That's another intriguing matchup because Seattle, every good or every really good team they've played this year, they've hung tough with, which is amazing. They've played Oklahoma. I mean, they've played teams of that caliber and hung with them and almost beat them. So Seattle's a a little bit of a dangerous mid-major team that no one's talking about really right now. <clears throat> Wisconsin at Arizona State plays. They play two games. I want to see if Wisconsin. Um, can carry that momentum of beating Oklahoma last week to Arizona State. Wichita State at Missouri twice. I think Missouri's going to crush uh, Wichita State based on what I've seen from this past or seen so far this season. But it's something I want to at least keep up with and see if maybe there's an upset lurking there. Maybe. LSU, Colorado State. I want to see if Colorado State can hang around with LSU. North Texas at Oklahoma. I want to see if North Texas has the ability, or they've proven they can hang with big teams. They beat Louisiana, like I mentioned earlier, and they almost beat Texas at Texas. So I want to see if they can go to Oklahoma and put a scare into them. 
JMU at NC State. Maybe not the most high-profile highlight game there is this weekend, but NC State's off to their best uh, start in uh, franchise history if I, or in program history, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I want to see what the JMU-NC State game is going to look like. Um, and I will be there in person, so again, I'll touch on that more after I finish these highlight games, but just keep an eye out for that game. Another massive game, Texas and Michigan. Man, Texas has really got a rough week uh, between Louisiana, UCLA, Washington, Michigan. What a rough week or tough week for Texas and Mike White, man. Crazy. <clears throat> Florida State at Arkansas. It's a, it's a it's a top 25 matchup, but this is kind of flying under the radar a little bit here. Oregon and Oklahoma State. Will Oregon be able to maintain their perfect record through the week? And this this right here, this Oregon-Oklahoma State game, I could very easily see Oklahoma State winning that game and knocking off Oregon from the ranks of the unbeaten. <clears throat> Michigan-Texas Tech. Again, another opportunity for Michigan to get off the losing streak skid that they're on right now. Michigan-Washington, another massive matchup for Michigan and Washington. <clears throat> Drake at Oklahoma State. I want to see if the mid-major can give Oklahoma State trouble as well as Oregon. Um, and lastly, uh, this isn't a top-of-the-line top highlight game, but Michigan-Colorado State. Um, I want to, Like I said, Michigan, I want to see if they can rebound uh, from their three-game losing streak last weekend to the Judy Garman Classic where they have opportunities to be able to right the ship. Um, so I absolutely, those are the games I'm looking at this weekend, or this next week, um, absolutely, um, <clears throat> so, anyway, um, like I said, I'm gonna be at the JMU-NC State game, JMU at NC State game in person, um, cause I'm gonna head down to Raleigh this weekend, I'm going to be at the NC State Invitational, which includes Lehigh, North Carolina A&T, JMU, and obviously NC State. Um, so I'm going to be down there that tournament. I'll be, you know, having a little bit of bias there, um, supporting JMU, obviously, having worked with the team the past three years. But um, so I'll be down there watching those games in person. Um, so. I won't have necessarily be. I won't be watching all of the college softball this year or this weekend. Um, so I'm gonna have to. We're gonna be doing some heavy duty Twitter searching um, and stats watching when I get um, get to the hotel on Saturday night and Sunday when I get back home. Um, <clears throat> but use this opportunity to go out watch. Um, as much softball as you can. Utilize that Watch ESPN app. Um, go out and find as many streams that you can to watch softball. Keep up with the stats if you can't find a stream. Um, that's that's what I do. I like I like watching live stats. I like seeing stats being put in. Um, 
because it gives me real it doesn't it may not give me the visual aid but it definitely gives me an idea of the feel of how the game's going and everything like that um so do as much as you can to watch some softball this weekend do as much as you can to keep up with games and you know let's have a great week of softball and i hope everyone listening has a great week ahead um and we'll be back again next Wednesday at the start of Mar- or to start off the March month in the right way. Thank you for listening and have a great week everybody.